Peace and love, everyone. I want to welcome you to Mosaic Souls Episode 7. We have a beautiful, beautiful person in the building with us today, and I'm super excited to introduce her, Momo the Mermaid. What's up? What's up? <laughs> hey, honey. Hey. So here we believe everything in your heart is art. We are honored to have Morgan Momo the Mermaid Butler, a witchy writer, educator, and performer from Washington, D.C. Her work primarily focuses on cultivating healing spaces for femmes of color in white, masculine, heterosexual, dominated spaces, specifically through creative writing and radical healing. As an educator, she has led two workshops at Harvard University Alumni of Color Conference and has taught sessions on peace education and creative writing throughout the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. Y'all, she be busy. Uh, <laughs> dang. Uh, let me get my, what I, what I need to do with my life. Stop. How you feeling, Momo? I feel good. I'm nervous, but I feel good. So. Want to do a deep breath? Yes, deep breath. All right. Lead us in the way. Inhale and exhale. Sorry. We need to start bringing waters. I got a water in my bag. You want it? You grab it. Grab Ooh, it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It should be over there in my bag. Well, we're here to welcome Momo. We're so excited for you to be here. Hopefully, by the end of the night, your nerves, like, have calmed down and, like, you know, you feel more comfortable and at peace. Yeah. A lot of people come in there, like, time goes by so fast. I told myself I wasn't going to say that no more because I feel like every time I'm here, I say that. And it's a little cliche at this point. Whatever. But it's true. It is true. Time goes really, really fast, especially when we're having good conversations like the one we're about to have. Um, So I'm going to let you introduce your topic just off rip because we have so much to go through today. (laughs) Um, Give us that beautiful title that you gave us and then explain what that means. Okay. Okay. I'm going to read it off of the prep packet. So I read it word for word. Okay. So the topic is... Allowing the earth to quake, the power in trial and error. Um, And so basically, I chose that topic because I found myself like the past couple of months doing a lot of things for the first time, um, being upset with myself because I feel like I'm not doing what I need to be doing, how I need how I should be doing it um, and just being okay with the process, trusting the process and 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 being okay with being an experimenter and calling myself a scientist now because that's lit. Yeah, so. that sounds cool. <laughs> Especially with art. I've never heard nobody call themselves that. Yeah, so. Just a life of what you say is like a theme of rediscovery and art- artistic experimentation. Yes, yes. I love it. I think it's great and I think it's a good way to uh, grow. Thank you. Yes, yes, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> So I'm going to get to your first question. Okay. You said that you have rebranded and you are doing this new thing. So explain to us what the rebrand is, why you felt like you needed to rebrand. Where is the rebrand coming from and going? Oh, okay. Coming from and going. Okay. Take your time through these questions. Okay. So, well, definitely the rebranding is stemming from being a youth poet. Um, when I first started doing poetry, um, I was a junior in high school. I wasn't really writing poetry like that. I had just um, did mostly prose um, and short stories, a couple like plays, I guess. Um, and so much of what I knew about my art and my writing was based off of this idea that I had of myself in high school and being super depressed and angsty and just like typical teenage poet wears my black beret and my turtleneck. And so like I'm trying to move out of that um, and being more unapologetic. Um, I've dealt with a lot of trauma, I'll say, um, leaving this like youth poetry community. And so with this rebranding, I'm trying to be more unapologetic. I'm naming things for what it is. Um, you know, trying to hold abusers accountable, trying to create the space that I was promised back when I was, you know, being a youth poet. Um, and right now, I think I think it's going good. I think it's going in a, in, a, in a great direction. I'm still trying to practice saying no to things. Mm. Like, I've gotten to this habit of, like, oh, well, they're my mans. Like, I'll do it for free or I'll just, like, 
do it because I know you and I'm really trying to stop doing things that I don't align myself with like totally 100%. Yeah. Um, because for so long I've had to do like contract things and write poems for certain people and, you know, do performances um, for people that really don't care about me being black and, and queer and femme. And so it's like I'm I'm really trying to do things that speak to my art and that will also serve my art in the long term. That's that's strong. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And then, like, so you said you're, you're moving from the youth poetry. So what was some of the work that you were doing with the youth um, originally? Um, so I was on the DCU Slam team, um, which was, well, when I was on it, it was um, a group of 12 youth from the D.C. Maryland, Virginia area. And um, we competed at Brave New Voices during the summertime. And then the other half of the year, we were, you know, prepping um, for the slam competition and also um, doing some high school competitions and performing at, like, I don't know what kind of events would we do, like Teach for America or, mm-hmm. like, we had people who needed, like, a specific poem about, like, mental health or something mm-hmm. like that, then we would cater to that. Um, I used to love Brave New Voices. Yeah, Brave New Voices is cool. Brave New Voices is super lit. Um, I'm glad I did it. It was, it meant something different to me when I was doing it, and now that I've, um, I'm not, I'm too old to compete now, and I have done behind-the-scenes work um, for two years now. Seeing it in in, in this different light um, is also what has pushed me to really start dismantling what the youth poetry scene is and in this idea of re-triggering ourselves, you know, for a check or, you know, for exposure or right. whatever. Because that's most that's mostly what it was. Um, when we were on the team, it was like, we had the people that did certain poems. Like, we had our, you know, black boy from the South Side who also raps and he also played basketball. So it's like, if you need a poem about, like, some black stuff, you know, we got him. Like, we have, like, the people on our team who, you know, they're the gay ones. Like, we have our trans people. Like, we have our white voice. We have our Jewish voice. Like, and so trying to, well, stepping back from that and trying to find the validity in like my narrative and like reclaiming it because mm-hmm. it's it was it was kind of used as this like weapon to like get checks and to fund nonprofits and stuff and so I'm like if it's not serving me then I don't want to do it that makes sense and that's good like I said that's good for you good for growth and then you said you're rebranding so now are you doing are you stepping out of the poetry and are you getting into some other things or how, how does that look for your I, I actually don't know how that looks like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that I have stepped back from performing for sure. Like I definitely don't slam anymore. Like mm-hmm. the last time I slammed was maybe 2015 or 2016. So it's been a while. Um, I perform at like an open mic or um, I did a show with um, Dwayne B um, and some other people from Spit That um, at the Willie Mammoth Theater. Like. A couple months ago um so like I'll do things like that um but I'm definitely moving more towards being an educator um and also trying to make a name well not even name make a lane for myself mm-hmm. by being an artist mm-hmm. like I, I want that to be enough like I don't want to have to be an artist and a teacher. Like, if I want to teach, I want to teach because I want to teach right. in that moment, not because, <clears throat> you know, painting is not paying the bills or because writing is not paying the bills. And that's also, like, me trying, doing all of this trial and error is trying to figure out what things I can use to my advantage cool. um, and not feel stuck when when I'm doing them. Cool. What experiences or um, I want to say, maybe even if you want to just touch to a testament of your triumph that has, like, helped you say, okay, this is enough, or this is where I want to go, and this is how I'm going to be strong in doing it. Because, I mean, along with letting go of, like, the youth poet image or letting go of some of the type of poetry that people want, you said it's going to cut you that check that you need. Mm-hmm. How do you tell yourself, or how do you go about, you know, what what was that moment for you that said, okay, this is what I need to be doing? Um, So... It actually, it, like, was, like, an actual moment. I know a lot of people don't have, like, that one moment. It's, like, a multitude of things. But I have a, a more specific, a person. Um, 
I was teaching at Cardoza High School um, with this after-school program, and one of my students had said to me, we were doing like a writing exercise, and she was like, I'm only doing this because I want to be on Button. And for those who don't know, Button Poetry is this YouTube channel, um, and it features a lot of... um, well-known and famous poets Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one of those things where the more people you know and kind of the more generic you sound um, the more videos you have on that YouTube channel Mm -hmm. and so it's like if you want to be visible then it's like you should strive to be on button and one of the ways you get on button is through competing um, in slams and that like when she said that it was like I saw myself because I used to want to do it for the same reasons. Mm-hmm. I used to want to write and create to end up on a stage with getting like an applause somewhere and an award. Um, but the reality is when we won, uh, so DC Slam team in 2014, we won Brave New Voices and literally we got like the smallest like magnet thing. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I don't even remember like what it was. I think it was like a paperweight or something, but it was like we had been through so much like I had stopped being friends with so many people, like so many people felt, you know, traumatized and triggered by, you know, the poetry scene. And in the end, all we got was a paperweight to show Mm -hmm. for it. And it's like now I I really do like forget that I won Brave New Voices. Like it's something that I don't even think about until someone else brings it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like that was an experience that I had because I now I I attribute those experiences to um, me working the festival. And so Hearing one of my students, you know, actually say that she wanted to do something for this, like, false sense of validation, Mm -hmm. right? It was just, like, I have to do something to, like, change this. Like, whether it's, you know, even me pulling away from the scene and and, and trying to dismantle it that way, it was something that I was just, like, I have to do. I I just got to do it. And then now you are working, and a lot of your work is around the word femme and for women in certain spaces so why the word femme over all of the other words so i've been having this conversation with a lot of people lately um Mm -hmm. because even now um like because when i wrote that question i had an answer and like now even you know a couple of weeks later i'm like "Mm, well i don't even feel the same anymore um but i use femme because well obviously there's a connotation with the word women Mm -hmm. um and a lot of the times it doesn't include trans women and uh, a lot of the time it doesn't include people who identify as non-binary or gender fluid which is what I identify as Um, and I also I use femme to mean anyone who intentionally aligns themselves with the receiving end of misogyny so it's like if that's an intentional decision that you make like you move through life experiencing misogyny that's what I mean when I say femme Mm -hmm. like that like you're my sister like you're someone who understands this trauma or this this pain that I'm going through Mm -hmm. um that's very different from someone who intentionally you know wants to identify or align themselves with a masculine energy or um or a male or a man energy. Um, so that's why I use that word. And you said you're having... Yeah, I have a second thoughts. Um, because as was most things that happen um, on the internet, when, when things come to Twitter, they tend to blow into mm-hmm. other things. <laughs> um, and so the conversation now is, is well, has always been, femme has been a very, like, it's been a word that is typically tied to women and lesbians Mm -hmm. and not gender fluid or non-binary people. And so people are kind of repelling from this word femme because they think of, you know, really high femme, like super feminine women. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, "Mm, that's not, that's that's not what I'm, yeah, that's not what I'm what I have in mind when I think of femme, I think of any person who, like I said, intentionally aligns with the receiving end of misogyny. And now that you've seen this conversation happen on Twitter, like, or even before, have you received any backlash for, you know, saying that I'm here for this femme experience and this is what 
I most connect with or what I want to talk about? Have you received any backlash? Mm, sometimes. Well, it depends. I get backlash when I, like, make it clear that I'm excluding, like, masculine people, like, people with a masculine energy. Like, mm-hmm. when I use language like femme or whatever, I don't really, really receive a lot of backlash, but when I'm, like, talking to men or boys or people who identify with a masculine energy, that's when I get the backlash, and it's like, well, what about us? Or it's like, well, what if I also have a feminine energy? Or what if I also... Blah, 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 blah. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that may be true, but you're only bringing it up in, to like, c- counteract what I'm doing. Like, it's not authentic. Mm-hmm. It's different if, you know, you are someone who intentionally identifies with masculine energy and and are trying to, you know, experiment or, you know, try to see what the feminine essence of themselves are. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, then that that's an authentic thing. But if you only want to bring it up or try to talk about it when... I say something that's like specific to femmes, like you're fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And so it's like. Or they could just be trying to squeeze their way into something that necessarily doesn't have to like involve them because they feel, you know, excluded. Yeah. And and that in itself is not exactly. authentic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that in exactly. itself is problematic. So. Exactly. The fact that you feel like you're not involved in something when literally everything is for you and catered yeah. to you. It's like, mm. yeah. They need to understand that sometimes. They don't always have to be present. Exactly. So how yeah. are you, like, when you when you have your events or if you put on something, how do you go about excluding, making sure that they understand the rules and the and understand mm-hmm. the, the space? The space, yeah. Um, well, luckily, I do have the privilege of being, oh, let me take that back because there's, like, two different avenues. Okay, so... There's, like, the general art scene in D.C. where it's just, like, okay, the art scene. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like there's this, like, microcosm of people or brands or images that people associate with the DMV. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that I don't associate myself with that microcosm, but I've been very, like, I've shied away from it for a long time because I don't don't think that it's authentic. Mm. So... I've been privileged enough where I've been in an art scene with authentic folks and who don't necessarily question the femme exclusive spaces that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, I have like people with masculine energy in my life who respect, you know, my events or respect if I'm like, okay, well, I don't want y'all here or I don't want y'all on this mic or I don't want y'all to say anything. Like, they'll just be like, all right, cool. Like, You're fine. Right, it's cool. Like, not everyone is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we did a, well, myself and two of my friends, Ayana and Sol, we uh, led a workshop at Harvard earlier this year, well, earlier last year, and we wanted to wanted it to be a fem's, um, a femme-only space, and we ended up dealing with, like, masculine and, like, men coming into the space, mm. and because it's, like, Harvard, and it's, like, these three, like, little black girls who don't really have any footing in Harvard, we kind of, like, we didn't really check them on it. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I regretted a lot, like, compromising a a space that we, like, were called on to create, and we felt like we couldn't, like, we didn't have control over that space. So that's something that I regret a lot, and so that's something that I'm, like, I can't do that anymore. Right. If I want to have a femme space, it's going to be a femme space, like, no matter who. And you deserve that that femme space. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. And don't regret the decision for, you know, <laughs> trying to do what was asked of you. And, like, we, as females, we love to compromise sometimes. <laughs> Just it's, in, it's It was probably the most authentic thing you were doing at the time. Like, right. I just want to, I really want to have this workshop. Yeah. It's still going to help somebody. You're still trying to find the positive exactly. in it. So don't regret it. Okay. Learn from <laughs> it. But don't. Okay. Don't regret it. Um, you kind of touched on the art scene. It says, what do you think the art scene in terms of fin representation is, though? And that could be a, a long question. So, again, take your time. <laughs> take your time. Um, I think, honestly, I think that the fin representation in the scene right now is pretty dope like I, I really do think that there are some femmes in the scene who are like 
I'm like 2018. I'm just I'm just gonna watch y'all because I already know that y'all are about to kill it. Like Odd Mojo, like she just I saw her for the first time at the Alex Vaughn show and I was just like, yeah, sis, yeah, like, sis. Yeah. Like, it was it was mind blowing. Like she's like one of the people that I think of when I'm just like here, like going to pop. But in terms of like femme representation, I just think that there's this like. Mm, this faux sense of unity because it's like so many femmes will occupy the same spaces all of the time and like still not speak Mm -hmm. or it's like we'll interact or engage via social media but in person like won't speak um, and I definitely am guilty of this. I've definitely Me been too. in spaces where I've like been like, oh, I know her, but been like too scared to like say anything. And part of that comes from this like fear that I have with cultivating relationships with other femmes and, you know, this like underlying theme of, of competition or jealousy that, you know, we've been conditioned to 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 recognize in each other. And, and that's part of what I'm doing with this workshop is is to kind of scratch that fear. So other femmes can just, you know, femme can recognize femme, like look across the room and be like, you know what, I might not have have even known you before right now, but I'm about to be on your arm the whole night because we we just got to, you know, that's just how we got to like move, you know? Um, And so I definitely think that the DMV could use a little bit more authentic femme energy. Um, I think, I think that we're just like scared. I think. We're just really scared. A lot of it for me is just like social anxiety. Like when I, I can talk to a person over social media, like you said, and then I go up to see them and then it's like, I don't know if you're going to recognize me. Right. I don't know if you're going to think I'm super weird. So I definitely agree with that like energy that if it was transparent between all of us, like we really say it is me included. Mm -hmm. I feel like it would be easier for us to come together and really create that dynamic sisterhood and like that dynamic like exactly. support ship that we kind of need between each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're just scared, honestly. I I don't I've been trying to figure out like what I'm scared of. Mm-hmm. Um I really think it is like a a femme uprising because I I think that that it could just be so powerful and that scares me. Um thinking about what we could do to the art scene, how we could change the art scene, how mm-hmm. because it's like everyone has eyes on like the DMV right now. Like it's like I don't know if everybody else know, but everyone has eyes on the DMV right now. And there are so many other women from so many other areas doing so many like amazing things. Like baby mothers, she's like amazing. And so it's like just thinking about the revolution that could possibly come from us like just standing with each other mm-hmm. is like it's a little scary yeah i get as you speak about it i'm like getting these little weird chills <laughs> exactly I'm like, okay, it's I scary didn't think this was gonna happen. it's scary but it is it, women energy is so powerful it really is and so like i guess what it's just gonna take like you said us just breaking out of our shells now i'm gonna walk away from this and like be thinking how can i better my communication like when i just step into spaces and, right like, kind of just letting our guard down a little bit because we do kind of have our guard up sometimes yeah and then hopefully the spaces will cultivate themselves because i do also think it's a lot about where we go to connect and where we go to party and like mm-hmm. All that type of stuff plays into, like, yeah, exactly how yeah. we feel and things. But talking about this femme energy, you have a really great playlist. And yes. I would really like to get into it. And we can continue this conversation after if you're okay with that. Yes. Okay, so we're going to start it off. If you want to introduce your first song. Oh, yes. Okay, so the first song. And tell us why you chose it. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the first song is Shania by Aya Queen. And mm-hmm. I first saw her at the Color Me Woman event that Soul hosted like a couple weeks ago and Soul knows her and she was like Momo you're about to like her and I was just like okay <laughs> and she just walked up in here with her fishnets and glitter all over her face and these like cyber goth like punk boots and I was Ooh. just like oh sis you're so lit like <laughs> so this is her song and I was just like you have to be the first person that I put on the playlist lit. it's everything that I want to embody <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
She's in your dream wet Rocking OF socks with the thrasher just to match And now she's on the tumbler making all these trolleys mad Try to fade her, she's on fader Dark like Vader, try to chase her Lil Harley cosplay hottie She got you leaning, playboy cardi Hey Shania, hey Sha. Wait, wait, what was I supposed to say right there? That was supposed to be some tough shit Hey Shania, hey Shania, nice to meet you, ayy Took her to a art show, now she's spitting model game. Took a flight to Cali, now she's at the top. Hey, she making coins and it's all because she mixed it. Hey Shania, hey Shania, nice to meet you, hey. Took her to a art show, now she's spitting model game. Took a flight to Cali, now she's at the top. Hey, she making coins and it's all because she mixed it. She making coins and it's all because she mixed it. She making coins and you're looking like a dummy. She's taking off on flight, launched up on sight. Now all the brands wanna put her in the photos. Now she's feeling super, super doing kawaii. Now she watching the TV, got a crush on Kakashi. And she ain't doing Molly, but her dreams got a high. Now she's sitting Naomi, highlighters alive. Hey Shania, nice to meet you, nice to see ya Moshi, Moshi, how you been? Yeah, you're looking like a sin More like a sensation Someone called the temptations Thought I saw you last week With blue hair and Jamaica Somebody said you're dating me Is it true? Let me see Sit back and just watch How the hell they gon' blink When they see the girl that they hate Is making real cheese More like they whole life Tell them get your life Shania, don't you see you made it? Uh-huh. Our host creative. Poems and girls, you dazzling underground shows. No way in getting to the courts. You make it look up in they face, they hate Hey Shania, hey Shania, nice to meet you, ayy. Took her to a art show, now she's spitting model pain. Took a flight to Cali, now she at the top, ayy. She making coins and it's all because she mixed it. Like what? I try to reason with you, but we can never agree. 
But we hope you all enjoyed Momo's beautiful playlist, those last few songs. So we're going to switch things up a little bit because we've been talking to Momo about her use of the word femme and what it means to her and how it's definitely important in this this age that we're in and how it's been influencing the art scene, um, mostly here in the DMV area. We're going to switch things up and go into finance or finance, yes. as I like to call it. <laughs> so, Momo, can you tell us a little bit about this grant that you received? Yes. So, um, I received um, the Spoken Word Immersion Fellowship um, from the Loft Literary Center um, and... Um, basically, they gave $8,000 to four different um, poets to um, essentially create a project that enriches themselves and their community. Um, and so that's like the fancy jargon of it all. Okay, okay. So, <coughs> how did it feel, what was the experience for you when you were writing to get these? Well, it was definitely, like, super nerve-wracking. Um, so part of what I talked about in writing the grant, um, when I was on the DCU SLAM team, something that was promised to us a lot was um, to be able to learn how to write grants. Um, and it was a workshop that sadly never came. Um, we, like, never learned it there. I don't think that, I don't really think that anyone that I was on a team with knows how to probably formally write a grant because I don't even know how to formally write a grant. Um, but what I realized was that, unfortunately, the people who that were running the team and those nonprofit um, bigger ups weren't ever going to teach us how to write grants because then we'd be in competition with them for the same money, mm -hmm. you know, for the same that, that, that arts money from um, the mayor and, and D.C. Um, Arts and Humanities Board and stuff. So it's like, of course, they were never going to, you know, teach us how to write the grant um, or teach us how to write a grant. And so when I applied for this, um, I was super nervous because it it's the first grant that I've ever applied for I did not know how I didn't I did not know anything like I didn't know what I was supposed to submit I didn't know how to write a proposal I was like I don't know how else I'm supposed to convince y'all to give money to black femmes other than just tell y'all that y'all should do it um and so that that was that experience I actually was in Florida for my grandmother's wedding um like the last week that the grant was due. And so I got back the night before and just stayed up all night and was like editing my poems. And I came up with like two different budgets. Like I actually had five different like projects that I wanted to do. And I ended up combining three of them to get the big project that I have now because I was just like, I had so many different ideas and I didn't have time to like narrow it down or like, call on my mentors or like talk to anyone it was just like if I want it I just have to go for it right now and that's what I did so you really just wrote from the heart no guidelines no, no guidelines no nothing I looked at the doc the little document little checklist that they gave us I was like okay I have to have this many poems I have to have this budget I looked at the proposals from the previous two years um and I I think like I googled maybe like a couple of proposals but other than that, it was just, like, me on my Google Drive, bullet points, turning the bullets into a paragraph. Like, it was literally just me flowing from the heart, like, mm -hmm. not planned at all. And that's probably what they picked up from your writing. I hope so. They probably picked up the authenticity <laughs> of it, just your genuine writing, how you really felt, and, you know, just your passion for this program is probably what came through rather than you sticking to these guidelines or some, you know ordinary template that many other people probably use right. in order to write so congrats. i didn't even think about that thank you i congrats. didn't even think about that no but. that's amazing congrats <laughs> so how did this grant um essentially end up helping you how are things for you financially beforehand um well so beforehand i was uh living with two roommates um in uh hyattsville maryland I had just moved, I had moved out of my mom's house 
a year ago prior. So when did I move out of my mom's house? I moved out of my mom's house in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then um, later on that year was when I signed my first ever lease. I did not even have enough money to, like, put, to, to contribute to, like, all of the funds that went into, like, securing the place, like... But luckily, um, my roommate, Aaron, Basic the Basis, shout out to him, um, he, like, had my back like no other. Like, he has consistently had my back um, in terms of, like, housing and, and like, financial, like, whatevers. Um, and so I was living with him and his girlfriend, who was, like, also one of my good friends. And we came up with this, like, system of, like, household funds. And so basically we would all just contribute so it's like Mm -hmm. if I had $20 and no one else had $20 it was like okay like we got this 20 let's like get some pizza or like go to the grocery store get some mac and cheese like or whatever let's you know make it work um so that was my financial situation like prior to getting this grant um I've been like unemployed and searching for a job for like a year and a half now but I don't have a degree because I'm a college dropout because I just refused to pay money to be depressed. Understandable. <laughs> so it's like I dropped out of college. I don't have a degree. Um, and after my lease was up, I ended up living, moving in with my boyfriend's mom because I thought that I didn't have anywhere else to go because um, my mom and I have this um, flip-floppy relationship um, that we're working on. But after I got the grant, my mom was like, you need somewhere that you can just that you can just be that you can just you know work on your art and work on this and nothing else. So it's mm-hmm. like if even if you don't like me, you you just need to come home. And so my mom was like, "Come home." And so I came home, um, brought my boyfriend with me because that was the condition. I was like, "I gotta bring him." And so now it's me, my mom, and my boyfriend in one house. And yeah, that was that was life before the grant. <laughs> that was life before the grant. Okay. <laughs> So did you end up um, doing much painting or creating collages um, before you received the grant? So I actually have this amazing boss. Um, Her name is Jamila Felton, Mm -hmm. and she is a multimedia visual artist, Mm -hmm. and she is into book arts and paper arts, and, like, she's the one that taught me painting and collaging and trusting the process. Um, Over the past year and a half, I've worked as her personal and sales assistant. Um, And so when we're, like, working from her home studio or just, like, in her basement, I'm, like, cutting paper, folding paper, like, doing abstract watercolor, abstract, like, acrylic, like, cutting out random things from magazines and, like, making collages, photocopying them, just, like, just keeping my hands busy and we only listen to music by black women and we like talk about politics and like that's like our workflow um and so that really inspired me to to try my hand at visual arts because what she does she works a lot with um with memory and um black women sewing circles like back in like like slavery like times like the antebellum south and so she talks a lot of well because she's also a poet, so yeah, she does talk. But um, in her work, she draws a lot on, like, women working together, working closely together, working with their hands and um, in, in, in cotton and in texture. And so that's what kind of pushed me to, like, maybe I'll pick up a paintbrush or, you know, glue some paper together. And that's how I basically came to that. Because I'm still so. Is that out of fear or like, are you just still trying to like, you don't know what to put out there yet? Because I live, I love it. It's not like regular painting. It's like magazine pieces, watercolors, different visuals, storytelling, for real. So is it like collage painting mix type of Yeah, so it's like a mixed media, like mixed media in a sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So the piece that Zan is probably talking about um, is the Audre Lorde piece that I did. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. The purple? Yes, but yes. But I've also seen, is this one, but I've also seen something, maybe it was on Mm -hmm. Snapchat or something, and it 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 had like a body piece in it. Oh. Oh, maybe. Maybe, maybe. 
No, yeah, maybe. I th- I think I've I've probably I like posted, posted that some. Yeah, no, I definitely I know so, yeah, that I, I haven't. Done. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, so yeah, so it's like mixed media stuff, and so I use literally whatever I can find, like even if it's some something that I like to I like to make stencils with glue guns, and so I just like load the hot glue gun up and just mm-hmm. like make a pattern or something, and then I like let it dry, and then I like paint over it or like whatever. Um. But I hide it because I have this thing about not wanting to be called things because I don't like responsibility. So it's like, so, okay, example of this. I happen to write rap sometimes, but I wouldn't call myself a rapper because I don't want that responsibility. But I'm not a rapper. But I'm not a rapper, exactly. And so it's like with, with, with art, especially visual art, I kind of hold back from like, putting my visual art out there because I don't want people to start calling me an artist because I, I don't think I'm there yet. Like, I'm still kind of experimenting and still figuring out what mediums work for me. And then I, I, I feel like once people start thinking of me as a visual artist, they'll start having this, they'll, they'll give me this responsibility that I like, I don't, I don't want I feel it. that. You want the experience without the label. Yeah. You want to just do. Exactly. Yeah. I definitely. Get which that. is why I made the art page, and which is why I made the the finsta. Well, I just recently made a finsta, one of those like fake Instagrams, okay. so I can like post things without, you know, and ha- and share it with people that I know wouldn't ask of me like mm-hmm. certain things. I'm sure it's almost therapeutic. It is. Yeah. It is. I've been um, like fooling around with like music and stuff because music was something that I also. Um, tried to work in with my grand. I was actually going to buy a beat machine because I've always just wanted to like DJ and fool around with producing. But I thought, you know, let me just put <laughs> put stuff into in, into something that um, is a little bit more tangible for me. It's like music is not a tangible thing for me right now, but it's like painting and like visual art is something that could be tangible to me. But it's like with this Finsta, um, I haven't done it yet. But what I'm planning to do is I I think I might like release like. I don't want to see, and I don't even want to say like release music, but it's like put videos up of me singing songs that I wrote is what I would be doing. Yeah. And so that's why I hold back from, you know, sharing my paintings or sharing my music or sharing whatever, because I'm lazy. I don't want responsibility. Just call me a poet. Have you been writing? No. <laughs> so it's like, don't even call me a poet. Like, and, and part of me not writing is, Working on this workshop, um, I'm trying to hold off on writing and allowing myself to um, <laughs> allow myself to um, to write when the workshop comes and write in the company of other women because it's like I have all of these prompts in my head and on paper right now that I could so easily just whip out and have enough to write every day for like a couple months, but it's like that's not the point. I want to be able to write among the company of other femmes and have that energy and, and be able to share and, and share that space with them. Well, we know you're all about community. <laughs> I try to be. You are. So why did you choose to invest so much of your funds into the, the, into the community rather <sighs> than your own, um, your own art in terms of books and mm-hmm. materials? Um, well, I just feel like... <sighs> There's so many people that I see now, and it's like I try not to be I try not to be salty about um I try not to be salty about it about the the things that people have that I don't you know having the resources having the platform you know having the money or having the publishing company like behind them and stuff and how easy it is for some people to produce things mm-hmm. and it's like. It's so easy for them, and and yes, they are giving things to the community, but it's also like you're not giving anything to the community, you know, like because I don't I don't know how you got there. You know, that's not your your lived experience isn't tangible to me. You know, it's like I I just see the end product, um, and so much of the work that I've been doing is unpacking and dismantling things, and it's like it's so easy for me to you know sit on my soapbox or sit on my pedestal and be like, okay, but I'm here now. It's like, no one knows how I got here. And it's like how I'm still getting here. And so that's why I chose to tangibly invest in my community because 
I'm invested in the journeys of everyone else because no one was invested in mine. And so it's like I know what it would mean to have someone in a position where they could support you and provide the space for you to get free or to heal or to unpack. It's like, I didn't, I thought I had that, but I didn't have that. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Um, I just need to do it. And it also goes back to this like faux, like femme unity that I think is in the scene and, and just not, not getting the, the femme writer community vibe that I need. And so it's like, well, no one else is providing it. I just have to create it. And I was like blessed enough to, with the resources to be able to do it. So I was like, I just got to. A Shiro. <laughs> A true Shiro. Thank you. <laughs> this amazing radio show. Stop it. Stop it. Okay, so um, we are, I can't believe that is 853. Wow. Yes, yes. Okay, so um, the workshop is called Writing the Warrior, um, and it is based on creative writing, radical healing, and creative resistance. Um, and it's a workshop dedicated um, for black femmes um, to uncover their most authentic selves. Um, whether that's in the workshop or outside of the workshop, um, and to do it in a safe space with other femmes um, and not have that space be compromised. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what the workshop is. And basically, we're just going to write a lot of poems, paint a lot of pictures, and talk a lot of smack <laughs> um, because it's necessary. And I don't think that we have enough intentional spaces where we can do that, um, and so, and so that's what the workshop is, is, is making the intentional space for that. So the workshop is um, going to be um, over the period of six months and participants were going to meet um, three days a month um, out of those six months. Um, and half of it is going to be like online. Um, yeah, half is going to be online because something that I'm trying to do is m making this accessible. Um, so basically what that means is even if you can't physically come in or physically participate, um, then I still want you to, to participate, um, and accessible meaning not even like just those who are participating in the workshop are only going to get this healing because like, that's not a thing. Like I'm still very much going to be releasing all of the things that we do in the workshop to the general public. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm prioritizing black femmes because we need it first. And so it's like, everything will be accessible to everyone, but just not right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How can we access it online? Um, well, so the application closed this morning. Um, I have so many applications to go through. Um, mm -hmm. But um, you can go on my website, uh, com, and you can look on my blog and it has like all of the information um, about the workshop and how you can be involved in what's going on in the workshop without necessarily being in the workshop because since the application is closed now. But, yeah. but a super random question. Mm -hmm. um, do you need help? Do you need volunteers? Are yes, I, I definitely am going to need help. I'm going to need volunteers. Um, I plan on doing like a community, we'll release like a community call to action i don't want to say a call to action because that sounds like we're about to go march somewhere that's not what we're doing um mm -hmm. but a community call to action because um, i called on my mentors earlier this year to like kind of help me with this process so i'm definitely going to be calling on the community to um to aid me through this and i want people to be involved as involved as possible um i don't want this to be like a secret exclusive thing because if it's if it's exclusive, then it's not accessible or radical. And it's like, that's what I'm calling it. So, yeah. True. <laughs> well, it's already time. I'm sad. I have one more question, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't care. I'm here all night. I don't care. Um, because the I wanted to do the workshop, but I was like, I don't know if I can commit to the days and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like, just, I'm just going to ask you the questions. I was here yeah. Yeah. When you say creative resistance, like, can you explain that mm -hmm. just a little bit more? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, 
creative resistance came to me while reading um, one of Audre Lorde's uh, essays, and she talks about this theory where when a white kid, you know, says two plus two equals four, it's like, okay, great, like, you got the answer. But when a black kid says, you know, two plus two equals four, it's like, oh my gosh, like, you are so smart, like, you did that, like, you know, and it's this, like, exaggeration of of black talent and black essence that there's like this loophole where it's like y'all are telling on yourselves by like over exaggerating what we can do like you're telling us that you never intended for us to do anything but you know be under y'all's bootstraps you know the whole time and so with creative resistance the whole goal is to find is to is to resist without necessarily resisting you know um it's about being able to get free and not trigger yourself or not feel like you're getting free from whiteness or white supremacy is like you're getting free for yourself because they never intended us for us to do anything you know anything really so it's like this this whole movement of creative resistance it's trying to break free from you know a, a narrative that we've been locked out of like for so long and yeah. And I swear this is my last question. It was like, <laughs> all y'all listening, I'm so thankful for y'all continuing to listen and tuning in. I swear this is my last question. But I just wanted to know what is some artistic projects do you have planned for the workshop? I'm kind of like I'm trying to get a sneak peek, but I mean, don't hold me. You know, this is going to be an amazing workshop. And I just, <laughs> Well, 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 one of the first things that we're going to be doing is we're going to be making intention boards, which is kind of like a vision board. Um, and so it's basically um, making intention boards for the workshop, um, which your intentions are for the space, for yourself, um, for your sisters. And so that's going to be painting, collaging. I'm going to bring my little printer with me. I'm going to bring all my watercolors and my acrylics and stuff. And I'm trying to decide what medium. I don't know if we're going to do foam board or if we're just going to, like, keep it simple and do some just watercolor paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely collaging is one of the very first things that we're going to do. I have some field trips planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also not just, like, we're not going to focus on just writers or just like literature artists um i have like some really dope lessons learned from eartha kit that i'm planning on like talking about um and yeah it's gonna be lit it's gonna be lit. <laughs> i just want to say i love the name intention boys thank That's you really strong thank you it's, i don't know it's just so much of a step you know past a vision board so yeah. What are your What's your vision versus what's your intention? Right, because it's like you can have a vision and still have different intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, like we can possibly do both vision boards and intention boards. Being deliberate in the choices that you make is really something that I'm trying to like. It's okay, hard. Right, we are. We are. <laughs> just just knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it before you even do it, or like in the process, understanding what this means for you, past and present. Just trying to be all the way there in something is like that awareness. It's like it's supposed to be so enlightening, but sometimes it could just be so heavy, overwhelming. <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> well, we're here. It's nine o'clock. You've been listening to Mosaic Souls episode seven with Momo the Mermaid. Did you drop her handles real quick? Yes. Yes. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Momo the Mermaid M O M O. On Instagram and Twitter at Momo the Mermaid M O M O D A Mermaid, and you can visit me online at my website MomoTheMermaid.com. If you loved her playlist, even though you got to listen to only three songs, I'm actually going to extend this show because no one's coming <laughs> on the station next. Um, I'm going to play her songs, and then I will also add them to the um, closing out of her interview. It's been a pleasure. Yes, Thank it's you been for great. sharing this space with us. Thank you for sharing you with us. And hopefully um, we get to see how the workshop plan- like pans out. Definitely. If you put out some packets and stuff, I'll definitely make my own intention for it. I mean, I'm just saying if you – that was like yeah. – but it's I really, yeah, we could definitely do that. We should, we should do, do that. Y'all should. No excuse. You said it now. You got to. Oh, man. There you go. You start saying stuff. You got to know what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have to do it. All right. The last song that we have that we're going to be introduced. Oh, follow us at uh, Mosaic Souls Art. Do that. <laughs> <laughs>
that's the that's yeah. the only way you're gonna get this thing. <laughs> so if you're listening on SoundCloud, make sure you take yourself to our website, comment, let Momo know that you support her, um, let her know how you felt the interview went, all that great good stuff. And then let us know what else you want to hear from us. We're excited as always every Thursday to share the space. So I gotta say I love y'all have a good weekend be safe it was nice being with you femmes and fellas this evening so right now we're gonna play Space by Soul featuring D Keys Treating, helping you through the season. What else I believe in when you're keeping me breathing? You a star by far, you always sign when you're leading. Yeah, yeah. I let her see a cloudy day. When the sun's heading away, I'm gonna need you at your best. So go ahead, baby, get your
we in your function and I know you don't like me. Clearly, I don't give a fuck because I came in icy. And my outfit 